Hey everybody and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast where we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's going on on campus and around the world. And today we're talking about the maker movement in Carolina's makerspaces with Rich Superfine, the Taylor Williams Distinguished Professor of Physics, Astronomy, and Applied Physical Sciences, and the director of Carolina's Be a Maker Network. This maker movement and culture of creating things with your hands has really taken hold here at Carolina with several spaces set up around campus. When we talk about this maker movement and maker culture, what are we really talking about and how did you get involved in it? Yeah, so the first thing is that making is an activity that people do. And so many people are makers and they don't call themselves makers. So I grew up, my father was a contractor, so I grew up building houses. That's making. I then became an experimental physicist. So down in my laboratory, I make research instrumentation to learn new things about cells, including cancer cells and issues happening in the lung and like cystic fibrosis. So that is making instruments, building electronics and physical hardware and optics. At home, I have my own wood shop. So I build furniture around my house. So all of that is making. So like many other people, I'm a maker at heart and I'm a maker professionally. Within regards to the maker movement, this is something that has emerged over the last 10, 20 years where people have gotten together to, have, to form community shops to then explore making and share making activities. Some of this has been driven by technology where things like 3D printers, laser cutters, some digital technologies, digital electronics have been increasingly democratized. And that has also spurred this widespread maker movement. And so it became increasingly clear that this needed to be brought inside the university. Why do you think the maker movement needed to be brought to the campus? What can it provide for the community and what can it bring to the students? So I think there's many ways to look at the benefits of making. One of them is from the perspective of learning. People learn in different ways. Some people learn from listening to things. We already know that there are some people who are note takers. They have to listen, they have to write things down on paper and that's part of the learning process. Making is also part of that learning process. It's one thing to have a molecule represented to you on a piece of paper or a picture of a microscope image of a virus. It's completely different though to actually build a physical model of that structure. For one thing, you now have this 3D thing in front of you, which you can turn around and move, but you're interacting with it with your fingers, with your body. To engage in building it means that you have to now apply a specificity to the rules and how it's going to be assembled that further engages you in the structure of the thing in a way in which you can't do otherwise. So for example, I, in my own research group, we study biological cilia, which are these fine hairs that project from cells which move mucus out of the lung. We challenged ourselves in an engineering sense to make artificial cilia. So when you engage in that activity of making something, you have to dive in and learn about it with a specificity you don't have to when you just kind of think you're learning about it. So that's one aspect is how it enhances learning. The other aspect is, though, from a perspective of innovation. 
in order to change the world that you live in, to be an actor in the world you live in, you have to have the perspective that the world around you, whether it's people, whether it's political structures, or whether it's the physical objects you come in contact every day, are all created by people. And so one of the fundamental ways that you can understand that in a very simple, not abstract, but very real context is to look at the objects around you and understand that they are all designed and they're all fabricated. They're built objects. For example, one of the activities we do is we do uh, breakdowns. We tear things apart or tear downs. So we've taken projectors that are used to, you know, put PowerPoint presentations on the screen. And we've had our student group, MakeNet, our maker student group, gather around and open these things up and tear them apart. Start throwing pieces away, and, and then you start seeing the electronics boards. You start seeing the optics inside of it. So now it's not this box of magic. They could see that it's a created, designed object. And now once you start having that perspective, you can now come to every aspect of your life and understand that you are an actor in your life. And in some ways, I think that is the most profound aspect of what making does for the consciousness and perspective and growth of a person. It helps you understand that you can create and change the world around you. So let's talk about the university's makerspaces that really foster this culture of creating and making with your hands. How many centers does Carolina have, and what kind of things do we have at those spaces? So the first makerspace that opened was in the Keenan Science Library. They have a uh, makerspace with some 3D printers, some electronics, and some sewing and design tools. The second space we opened is a 1,200-square-foot space over in the Haynes Art Center. That has more traditional machining equipment to cut wood and plastics, in addition to computer-controlled machining tools as well as 3D printers, vinyl cutters, and a laser cutter. The latest space we opened up in Murray Hall is really designed from the ground up to be a full-fledged making space. So this is 3,100 square feet. It is beautifully designed so that when you walk into the space, you're immediately welcome and you understand that it's a safe and community space for making. It has a large 3D printing facility that people come in and they use the printers themselves. It has project space so professors can teach classes and workshops on making inside the space. And it has two shops, one a metal shop and one a wood shop. And both of those spaces have very high-end tools so that uh, the researchers can come in and they can build the cutting-edge research instruments while across the hall, in the 3D printing room, maybe students are, are making projects for their dorm rooms or they're competing in, in kind of a green energy competition and designing and printing out pieces for that. So the goal is that you have a space where the high-end artists, studio artists and scientists are getting their research quality work done, while in addition you have the entrepreneurs that are trying to launch their company and you have the students that are doing coursework. And you bring, have a single community space where all those people can come together. Are these makerspaces open to everybody or does a person need to be part of a certain class or a certain program to use them? Yeah. So our philosophy is everything, everyone, all the time. So students, staff, faculty can come use the space. You can come in and get trained any day. You sign up, you come in and you start using the space. 
you don't have to be signed up for a particular class. You don't have to be a particular major. You don't have to be within the college. You can be from health sciences or from the law school. You don't have to be completing a project for grant funding. It could be any activity that you want to do because we really believe wholeheartedly that there's a community of makers out there, broadly interpreted, and all of them need to come together to enjoy making. What are some of the most creative things that you've seen come out of these maker spaces? First of all, we've had several maker-in-residence programs. This is a fantastic program where we bring in artists, maker, scientists from outside the university. They come in, they spend five or six weeks taking students through a program of making objects according to, to their passion. The first one we had was an amateur astronomer. And so the students got together and they built a, a large 10-inch telescope. That telescope had a very bland exterior, and the students took it upon themselves to paint a UNC version of Starry Night on the outside of that telescope. That telescope now resides in Keenan Science Library, and other students can come in and take that telescope out, check it out like a book, and, and take it down to Jordan Lake, for example, for sky watching. So one of the students who participated in that first Maker-in-Residence program, Abby Gantz, is a biostatistics student. She had no experience in making prior to doing that Maker-in-Residence program. She has become one of our lead makers within our student group. And she has subsequently led astronomy nights down on Jordan Lake without even being an astronomer beforehand. So one day I come into the makerspace over at Haynes Art Center, and I see this elaborate kind of desktop two-level kind of bookshelf, trinket shelf. And it is one of the most elaborate objects you have seen in terms of very detailed scroll cut out, you know, with, with all kinds of text and design on it. And I, I'm like, where did this come from? And it turns out Abby, from the technique she had learned in building this telescope, had turned around and taken this kind of Lord of the Rings theme and applied it to this like two foot by one foot bookshelf with this elaborate scroll cut piece of little furniture. And she had just created that with the tools that she had learned without having any prior experience. A recent maker in residence program we had, the students built beehives. And so again, you come into the room and you start looking around and there's, there's 10 of these elaborate beehives. Some of them are fabricated to look like these elaborate tubular structures. Other ones, the beehive is built into this elaborate kind of sun mask that somebody might wear. And these are all structures created by students who have had no prior experience coming in with making. And now they're building structures that are both functional and artistic and engaging. As a professor and as a maker yourself, do you find it rewarding to see students kind of activate this portion of their brain and start creatively making things? It is amazing to see students who have had no prior experience in making stuff start, suddenly start seeing that they can change objects around them. So we've had students come in that I walk up to them, they're at the laser cutter, and I ask them what they're doing, and they're making this elaborate cut-out Mother's Day card for their mom that they're going to send, send her as a gift. We've had other students you walk up, and what are they doing? They're making a Will You Marry Me sign that they're going to propose to somebody with. So we've actually had, I think, at least two successful 
marriage proposals come out of the makerspace. It's not only making things, we're making relationships. And so, you know, for me as an educator, for me as somebody who is passionate about learning and discovering, there is nothing in my life more exciting than seeing the light bulb turn on in a student's face. So one of the things we did in one of the classes I taught with regard to making is students made a, like an AM radio, very simply. And again, you take the you, you have the student who's taken a toilet paper roll and wrapped wire around it and hooked up like two electronic components. And they put it on the table in front of them and they stick the earpiece in their ear and you watch their face when suddenly they're listening. They hear a voice come through the air through this mystery of electromagnetic waves. And it, it is just stunning. It brings tears to my eyes, literally, to see that, that moment of discovery. And, and that happens every day in a makerspace. So looking long term here, what's the goal of the Be a Maker Network? And what's the future of the maker movement at Carolina? Our long term goal is to have the Maker Network be the next great institution within the university. So what that means to us is, is that every person in the university has ready access to making tools and making spaces. It means that there is a community of people that are ready to share and team up to create art, to solve technical problems related to energy or health, and they all have a central space or just, you know, any of our network of spaces to come to to, to accomplish what they, they want to do. So our goal right now is that at least half of all the students at UNC will have an experience within the maker spaces, that half of all the research groups will make use of the makerspaces. And when you look at you know, a student body of 20,000 students, uh, those, those are ambitious goals. But that's what we're shooting for right now. Our latest branch, if you will, of our network is opening up in the residence halls. It's in fall 2017, we're opening up a space in Carmichael Residence Hall. And this is part of establishing a network that's deeply embedded in the culture of UNC, that the first week that students are on campus, they are making. They're engaged in making competitions. They're learning about new fabrication tools. And that that then continues with them throughout their experience at UNC. To learn more about the Beam Maker Network, go to beam.unc.edu. And don't forget to check back to unc.edu next week for another episode of Well Set. <laughs>